Good morning and welcome to NFTs Live. I'm your host, Tyler D. It is Friday, November 19th. It has been a crazy week for me personally. Both of my kids have been homesick from school all week. It's why I canceled Monday's show. But it's been a crazy week in the NFT markets as well. And we just had to do a show. I'm joined this morning by my main man, Skyhook. Sky, how you doing? Doing well. It's uh, nice to see this little bull market, man. It is... Um... It's good to see from the last month we had to get this life injected back into us. Those, you know, nights when you wake up in the morning, you're ready to check everything again. Those floors keep pumping. You're getting the emails again. It's a good time to be alive. It's been a fun week seeing green back on the board, getting the emails. I've been hyped. Well, that's a good segue to what we're going to cover today. So our, our top news, we're going to hit three stories. First, is the bull market back? Then we're going to talk a new blue chip NFT index called Index Co-op. And then we're going to talk Constitution Dow and what an electric roller coaster that was last night. Then we're going to go around the horn on our market segments. We're going to look at the market update from Lucky Traders Board. We're going to hit one of ones. We're going to do blue chip PFPs and our blocks. And then for the second half of the show, we've got Logan Hitchcock from Lucky Trader, who's going to be joining us for an interview. We're going to talk his background in NFTs, standing up their site, and his thoughts on the current state of the NFT market. So we've got a great show. Let's jump in. So top story of the week is the NFT bull market back. So I'm going to start by sharing my screen here. Let's take a look at some of the macro view here on the, the Dune Analytics dashboard for OpenSea. So... <clears throat> If we look at the last five or six days here, it's, it's pretty obvious that we saw a, a big spike in volume. So it started last Friday. We eclipsed that 100 million per day mark. And then you can see Saturday went up, Sunday stayed even. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, we saw some uh, increasing volume before it started dying down a little bit yesterday and then into today. So about a hundred percent increase in volume there from where we were at is the highest volume we've seen since the Mechaverse days of early October and really before then back into August mania. So if you think about what has actually been driving this, let's take just the high level view at the weekly board here. Uh, I've got the lucky trader site up now and I'm not going to go into each of these individually, but top of the board, board ape yacht club, mutant ape yacht club, 43,000 ETH traded in the last seven days. Just insane volume. We see it's up 360% volume-wise BAYC, 500% increase in MAYC. Um, I've got my thoughts on kind of how this spike played out. Sky, I want to hear from you. What, what was your reaction? What are your thoughts on what we saw here this week? I was pretty genuinely surprised from the, the run we've had. I have positioned myself, and I think we've had these conversations on past shows where I'm not crypto native, but from the way things were lining up in the market, you know, before getting into NFTs, you know, it seemed that those that are bullish on crypto and ETH, that we're going to see 5K, we're going to see people talking 10K, you know, 100K Bitcoin, Q4 is when you know, crypto tends to rise. So if that is happening, we normally see the negative correlation to NFTs dripping like we did in October. I didn't really think about the short view of if ETH stabilizes at a price, do we get to see this bull, mini bull run? Is it, is it kind of like that trap we had in October? But since we've now seen 4,100 to 4,300 ETH for a week straight, you know, it's gotten to a point that people are ready to spend the money. That is the biggest thing to me that I love, even if I didn't position myself greatly, you know, while that bear market was happening, it is good to see that thirst is still out there. People are ready to spend this dollars on, on the NFTs. It's good to see. I, I think my take on what happened was I actually think ETH price aside, gas prices aside, I think the big news in the BAYC world with kingship, um, with uh, the, the late night talk show. Oh, Jimmy Fallon, him changing yeah. his PFP. And then on Friday, the, some influencers got in. It, it started off this wave of buying. And then as we've seen in the NFT ecosystem, sellers don't stock their ETH away. I think everyone who sold during that big run 
rotated the funds back into some of the lower entry point projects on the board, which is what kind of propelled the market and then dropping ETH, uh, somewhat lower gas helped sustain it for the course of the week. Um, am I ready to call bull market? Absolutely not. And I will say I'm still very concerned. I want to see how the next week plays out. I'm concerned that headed into Thanksgiving, people are going to go spend time with their families. Some of the action is going to dry up a little bit. And then we're going to see undercutting because as we've seen, what goes up really fast can come down really fast as well. Yep. Yep. And I think that's the, the larger point is if I, I, you hit it right. I think it was ignited by some of those BAYC moves, the trickle down effect that ends up happening from those. And then the sustained low ETH, like it just all compiled on itself. But um, those that were smart enough to be calling the bottom of when we saw the uptick, I just didn't know when that bottom was going to be, you know, so I was afraid to spend a good amount to get into some of those projects. But um, those that did, you know, they, they were able to flip into this run or are they holding? That's the, that's the key question. Yeah. But it was a fun week. Let's talk our second news story and what could be another trigger for a longer term bull run. So I'm going to pull up this thread. It's from Crypto Texan. It's all about this new NFT blue chip index called Index Co-op. Um, so we'll walk through the thread here. Essentially, they're going to have a coin or a token. It's called JPEG. We see it right here. Here's a little bit of info on the drop. It's a market cap weighted portfolio of blue chip NFT collections, allowing folks to get diversified liquid exposure to top NFTs. As we continue scrolling through, the, the collections that they're selecting for the index are essentially based on the top floor cap. So essentially the, the floor price multiplied by the volume in the collection. I think what's also interesting if we continue to scroll down is this is all based on liquidity vaults. So NFTX, Nifty Museum will be what this index is tied to. It won't be tied to any individual NFTs or, or anything like that. Um, they said a little bit about their criteria. So the floor cap has to be at least 50 million and they're doing art only. I think PFP is considered in this art, no land, audio or domain names. So that was interesting to see. And then if we scroll down, they did a little bit of a hint at what's gonna be in the index. So punks, BAYC, squiggles, cool cats, mebits, toads, ducks, World of Women, BAKC, Kongs, Pudgies, Mooncats, Hashmas. Hashmas was a surprise. Um, this was really interesting to see. They said here, it's a caveat, this is not a finalized list of the projects that are going to be included. But we've already seen, you know, the Coinbase platform and that announcement. And then when products get uh, announced that they're going to be on Coinbase, we see a mini Coinbase pump. We saw it last week with Mecca's and On1. I think the, the index co-op could be the next big pump, big pump, right? If these, if your collection is going to be certified and included within this index fund, that's going to be a big trigger. I think this is also a really nice new entry point for newbies or folks who aren't comfortable, you know, going out and buying individual NFTs. This is a way for them to buy a token to get exposure to the markets especially for those who are a little bit more crypto native or are used to trading coins, but still are a little bit intimidated in buying individual NFTs. This is now a very viable option. Um, so I'm really interested to follow this one, see where it goes and what impact it has on the market. But I'm, uh, I'm very optimistic here. All right, let's keep going. I want to get to our third story. Arguably the headline of the week, definitely part of the most exciting aspects of this week. Constitution Dow, we're showing their, their Twitter page. It's got the Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We're all going to buy the Constitution. And that's really what it felt like this week. Um, I want to I wanna get Sky's reaction to, to what happened last night. But just for viewers who, viewers who aren't uh, familiar with this, essentially this is a group that formed on the internet with the idea of they wanted to buy the Constitution. One of 13 copies of the Constitution was on sale at Sotheby's auction last night. So they went about a Dow fundraise. It started slowly. It was like 3 million on Monday and then it caught wildfire, 20 million. They ended up with 45 million or so in the pot leading up to the auction. And the idea was 
they were going to bid live in the subphase auction and try to buy the Constitution. Sky, I know you were watching last night. D describe the atmosphere from your perspective. The YouTube chat was unbelievable. <laughs> I was dying full of GMs, full of rug, full of devs do something, you know, just classic NFT discord spam. But it was really neat to see the, you know, kind of NFT cult following of what Twitter can be at times all rooting us on, having no idea, was it Brooke, was it David? that they were not in the running after the $30 million increase right away. Maybe our guest Logan could have pitched in a little bit more um, to, to get them over the, the line because I know he was a part of it. But um, no, it was, it was fun, man. It was just something to see that in real life DAO atmosphere chase after something. They probably could have done better of not um, publicizing how much they had because I really do think that made an impact of what that final number was because – you know, even though they raised 42 or 45 million, obviously there's fees and stuff associated. So I think that 30 mil like eliminated constitutional DAO or constitution DAO to get out of there. Um, but I am the proud owner of brooklampley.eth. If yeah. any of those, um, you know, people that were watching last night want to get on Brooke, she was dynamite in there, just a killer at the buzzer every single time with a bid. So if anyone wants it off my hands, I'm interested in the further 12 editions of the Constitution. Epic buy and Brooke definitely a winner last night. Well, for those who didn't watch, I want to walk through this a little bit. So I actually didn't have plans to join the live stream. And then folks in our Discord were, were talking uh, about how fun it was to watch some of the prior auctions. So I said, okay, I'll tune in. Started watching the chat. The chat was absolutely electric. Every one of the primary acronyms from NFT Twitter just rapid fire, you know, hundreds per second per minute coming through. Then we got into the auction. The auction was super fast paced and fun to watch. I mean, how long did it end up lasting? What, maybe five minutes? Yeah, and it was it, quick. That, that guy with auctioneer was good. Yeah, it was super fun to watch. We didn't really know who we were rooting for. We didn't know if it was Brooke. Uh, or I'm forgetting the other gentleman's name. I think it was David, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there was that confusion. And then right afterwards, we didn't know if Constitution Dow won or not. So you posted a chat that they were priced out at 32 million, but then there was a Twitter spaces that I joined. There was over 5,500 people in this Twitter spaces. It started out as a celebration saying we won the constitution. And apparently there was some confusion, even up at the top of this DAO where they thought they had potentially won. And then about 10 minutes into the spaces, the news trickled out that no, they didn't win. Um, which was, you know, a little bit of disappointment, but I think it was still, everyone left with a very positive feeling on the night and, how DAOs can make such an impact and how, you know, setting us up for really the, the year of the DAO, which a lot of people are already calling 2022 year of the DAO. It's going to be, it was a really fun night and really interested to see really what happens with Constitution DAO going forward, what they're going to do with the funds, because we know a lot of people are probably going to leave the money in there. Um, and then what other purposes, you know, DAOs can come together for in the future. All right, well, that's our top news. Let's get into our market update. Uh, we're gonna take a look at the Lucky Trader board here today. We're gonna take a look at the weekly view. We've covered some of this here in our, in our macro recap, but hitting some of the high notes, Board AP Yacht Club started the week at 32 floor, up to 52, 20 each jump, just incredible. Mutant Apes, arguably a bigger winner. Their floor is up 76%. It was somewhere around 3.8, I wanna say. Uh, ahead of this run now sitting at 6.8. Those two heads and shoulders really above the rest of the market with respect to volume and, and floor price increase. Punks third, you know, they held steady on the week. If you got in the Punks Discord, it was a lot of saltiness this week. A lot of coping with BAYC. You know, there's a lot of chatter of BAYC flipping Punks. So it was, a, it was an interesting week for them, but ultimately a green week. Their floor up a bit at 90 but while we had to say that the BAYC ecosystem was the winner of the week, if there's a second winner, it's, it's Doodles. So, Sky, I know you've been following the Doodles market pretty closely. Maybe walk us through kind of your thoughts and how this week played out. People love the Doodles. I love the Doodles, not as much as I did when I held them. Uh, unfortunately, I no longer uh, have any in my wallet as I was, didn't see this run happening. Um, you know, we have seen them go from as low 
as 0.9, 0.8-ish floor was what it was um, just about 10 days ago to touching four two nights ago. Um, they're the perfect like PFP, like easiness of it. You know, obviously not any type of, well, some of the top ones are animals, but you know, just kind of one, I even saw people like, this is like a perfect like LinkedIn version if you wanted to like kind of integrate into that. Um, I think it's pretty cool, but just, you know, Burnt Toast obviously has um, some popularity, just a good team around it. Um, and just naturally felt in a bull market, these would be one that would make its level up to toads and cool cats. And that's what people have started to do when it moved quickly. Uh, I think they're settling around three ETH right now. Um, so on 80 ETH sale for that top eight, uh, which is number 14, I believe, or maybe it was 15 um, that sold um, overnight, an alien sale to Top Shot Fund or Top Shot Cowboy, um, who uh, is very popular on Twitter. Um, just saw actually the floor or above floor get swept by, I think it was Go West VTC just in the last hour had 20 plus doodle sales. Um, so I think there's just a lot of, you know, popularity around these. I, I think they're incredibly interesting. Is it something I, I would look to pull back into my portfolio in a bear market? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the lessons, you know, that a lot of the sharks are saying in the bear market is see which projects outperform, right? And I think we, we saw five to seven days just now of what can happen in a bear market. And it really feels like it was the blue chips that drove everything. I had to pay attention when doodles are fourth on the board with 6K ETH, right? There's clearly some market demand, a lot of chatter about a really strong community, a good artist, and, and people are people like the art as well. So I, I included them on my power rankings, which I published earlier this week on, on my Twitter. Definitely one to watch. I'm not an owner, but I'm certainly one I'll be looking at. A few other highlights on the board, Little Baby Ape Club, they kind of came and went. There was a lot of, uh, there's some allegations of some racist clothing in that collection. I'm not going to pull it up. I don't really want to spend any time on it. Um, Cool Cats had a solid week, up about 37%, at, but resting at an 8.5 floor. Board Ape Kennel Club, up to a 3.3 floor. We should have talked about them with BAYC. They're now the lowest cost entry point. They're all over the BAYC roadmap. A lot of folks think the dogs are the next ones to run, and I am not going to fade that bet. Um, the Toads had a decent week, up 20%. Certainly not as what we saw in BAYC or Cool Cats, but... Uh, a solid week for them as well. And then I think another winner, uh, a newcomer to the board, Smiles SSVRS. So, Sky, I think this is another one that you're following a little bit. I'll pull up their page on Lucky Trader. Maybe give us a, a quick snapshot of your view of them. Yeah, Smiles had kind of a, a sweet spot in the bear market of how they rolled out their, um, their mint. I think if this was... August when these things came out like it, it would have had nothing similar to the way it minted out so they basically had a whitelist sold about half of their supply in a whitelist opened up to a public raffle didn't even fill the public raffle had to then open up a public mint afterwards so basically if you wanted a smiles you absolutely could have gotten one if not two um, or more in the pre-mint so you know that was about a 0.16 cost after gas and it sat there for about a week until it led into a little bit of a reveal and there just was never a high amount of listing. I think that was maybe one of the signs I should have paid more attention to was, you know, an 888 supply or 8888, 8,888. And there was only like 180 of them listed two or three days before a reveal. So it was easy to just crank at that floor as, as we led it to reveal, it got as high as almost 0.9 as it got revealed. And it also had troubles revealing. The, the artist, Wahid Zai, is, is very popular. Has worked with Drake. Um, you know, just somebody who creates unique art. art. You can see these are just totally different than a standard 2D PFP. You know, has a 3D, has cool graphics to it. Um, and just something that will stand out. So I think that all led up to what we saw was the explosion of when they finally revealed. People liked them. The, the standard paper handing flippers get out happened, of course, right away, but now it's settled around that 0.7 floor. Good amount of volume, as we see here on Lucky Trader, and something that, similar to a lower level doodles, has that unique appeal with a good community that when the market is fully pushing, people like the smiles. 
Agreed. I think one met- one point I want to touch on your idea on that metric of volume listed or percent of the collection listed. This isn't a really important metric to watch. Admittedly, it's one that I don't always pay enough attention to. But if you want to think about how floors can run up and run up fast, that volume listed is incredibly important. And we'll actually come back to that when we touch on Asimica later in the show. Um, Let's round this out. The last piece I want to touch on from the board, brain drops. The AI new marketplace, we highlighted them last Friday. They dropped, what, it was Monday, uh, I believe, Claire Silver, Van Armen, and, and Gene with the three artists. We've seen Claire's floor get all the way above two before retracing a bent. I want to say Van Armen is sitting around one or so with his podgans. Successful launch, a lot of hype, some momentum building. Excited to watch this one as well. Go check out Braindrops if you haven't already. All right, that's our market update. Let's switch gears here and get into a few rapid fire segments. I'll touch on one of Wonderland here briefly. Um, so starting the rare token has had a roller coaster week as well. It got as high as 2.2, uh, then dip back into the ones. I think it was sitting around 1.92 or so this morning. So definitely a token to watch. Um, we saw the BAYC Rolling Stone cover sell for 100 ETH. That was the highlight sale of the week. The second highlight sale and a new all-time high for Dan Juez Guiz. I don't know how to pronounce his name, unfortunately. But this piece called Leap of Faith. You see the, the character leaping across the bridge with the cat close behind. Again, the ties to cats. The market loves them. Um, time for some night parkour with my best friend. <clears throat> so Dan is, I would say, a, a leading, if not the, one of the number one artists in digital cyberpunk art. So cyberpunk is kind of a genre, a digital art that it's dystopian, it's sci-fi, it's concrete jungle, you know, years in the future. That's the style. It's very unique. Uh, when you take a look at Dan's set of work and his book of work, his, his pieces are very distinctive. You can pick them out. Um, that's always something I look for in identifying solid one of ones. And then the collectors in the set are some of the biggest names as well. Dan sets his new all-time high with the 66 ETH, $276,000 sale to 33 volts to highlight our week in one of ones. Um, other than that, a few notable sales this week. Uh, the piece Starman from Ruben Wu sold for 25 ETH. Trevor Jones on the board with an 18 ETH sale. Crypto Geisha with 11. And then Pillar Zeta with a sale for 10. A few others. We'll tweet out some of these in our show notes after the show. Let's go ahead and get into blue chips and art blocks. <clears throat> We've really already touched on most of the blue chip PFPs. So I'm not going to I'm going to skip over those for now. Um, for viewers who haven't seen this before, this is WGMI.io. This is an easy site just to quickly see floor prices of all the major collections. Let's take a quick run through the board. Fidenza's one of the biggest winners of the week. They got swept up. Floor was had creeped into the 70s, back at 122, up 52% on the week. Elevated deconstructions, holding steady in that 50 to 60 range. Ringer's uh, on the down tick still here, red on the week, 12% sitting at 55. Scrolling through here, a few of these held steady. Archetypes held steady at 15. Unigrids up 10% at 11. Subscapes pretty much even at 9.8. Squiggles, one of the big winners of the week here, up 33% and 8.6 ETH floor. We also highlighted them in that uh, index co-op blue chip fund. Uh, could have been a potential driver. Um, the, uh, a few other highlights for Minty up 72%, uh, biggest increase I saw this week, then now sitting at a 7.5 floor singularity up a bit here at 6.4 and then phase actually one that, uh, one of my favorite collections kind of back from the dead. It was sitting in the, in the twos up at 4.25 up 70% on the week. But one that I want to touch on that, that we're not, talking about here is the Asimica drop. This was the curated drop from Monday. Sky, I know you were following this a, <clears throat> a bit. You want to kind of tell us what happened on this drop? Yeah, so curated 
I guess the art blocks market as a whole has just been the wild west recently. I mean, I think Edifice, which would have been the weeks before curated, um, was a fake ignite to the art blocks market almost, where we saw people for the first time in a long time make profit uh, immediately after in profit of more than an ETH. You know, those quickly, you know, the flippers came out and there seems to be a sentiment around art blocks that those that are passionate collectors are letting the flippers bring those floors down. And Asemica got basically botted, you know, in a sense of one collector, you know, ended up getting a significant amount of the supply. And, and we know how that can affect a floor price, especially with a smaller collection in art blocks. So, um, you know, what it ended up minting out at 1.7 or... I was going to say um, two, you know, yeah, I know it was the very last few minutes, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now seeing that floor right around 0.5, you know, that is something that can easily happen when the, when the ownership, uh, you know, unique ownership is not anywhere near there. Now, Edifice, you know, if I focus on the other one, did see a resurgence over the past week after those, you know, kind of paper hands did get out of it. But, you know, when it has a botting situation like this one did, um, it's a tough road to recovery. It really is. It makes me feel bad for those who you know, didn't mint it because they like the art. They're going to be in for a lot of pain. We saw this with sculpture. I was super hyped for sculpture. Found that it got botted. It crushed the market. And how does it crush the market? It's that supply listed. So tale of two stories. You talked about Smiles SSVRS doing well because low volume listed. I'm looking at a Simica 490 out of 960 NFTs are listed for sale. It's over 50%. Um, so it's just huge walls of listings to try to get through and it would take <clears throat> some insane volume. So I think we will be seeing a Simica, unfortunately near the bottom of the curated rankings for some time. And I actually think there is some chance it becomes the floor project below crypto blocks. So can you we'll go see. back to a lucky trader page, just like a main page a sec? Cause I think this is something sure. that um, they do well. If you see that that last tab over there, that buy now slash 10%. So that I'm hoping, and I, I believe they are working on showing that as like, or if you click actually, um, also you can change that sort amount by percent. I believe it shows the percent of those that are listed. So just above that, um, there's that uh, next to one hour. If you move your mouse up like a, a half a little bit there, see where it says amount, mm. go to percent. So it'll show you how much is available for the buy now and then how much of that buy now supply is within 10% or how much of the overall project is listed within 10% of that floor. So, you know, you can see those projects that are just heavily weighted in listings at the floor. It's going to be very difficult for those to move, just like you said. So this is a great feature that they have on their site. Yeah, awesome find. I actually... I'm just now saying this for the first time. So clearly I, I hadn't played around the site enough, but that's a great metric to use and one I'm going to start using. Mm -hmm. Well, this is actually a, a great seg into our interview segment. Before we, before we jump in, Sky, any last comments for today? No, let's hope, uh, let's hope we keep staying green. I'm excited to have, uh, have a happy Thanksgiving to everybody um, here in America next week. I probably won't see you until after that, but have fun with Logan um, and enjoy your time, man. Thanks again. Awesome. Thanks for joining me. See you, Sky. All right. Well, now we're going to move into the second part of our show. We are going to have an interview with Logan Hitchcock. A quick introduction for Logan. Logan is the editor-in-chief of Lucky Trader. He has been blogging for years on his own site, loganhitchcock.com, and has been writing about NFTs at least since January of this year. As I picked up all in his quest to become jobless, I think he may have accomplished that goal with his role here with Lucky Trader, uh, but I want to hear more from Logan on that. Logan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you shouting out uh, becoming jobless. Um, man, I do feel in many ways jobless at this point in time. We get to talk about JPEGs. That's pretty cool, right? It's wild. Is this where you saw yourself going in January when you started writing about <laughs> NFTs. 
certainly not. Of course, could not. I don't think any of us could have anticipated. Um, you know, actually, on that, not to to plug becoming jobless too much, because I'm not really writing there right now. But uh, in the very beginning of the year, I spent a lot of time thinking about kind of where I fit in terms of early adopters. Right, you've seen that chart before, with like early adopters, innovators, right? And like that's how we know how early we are, how late. So I spent a lot of time thinking about where I fall in that, and I, I don't think I'm. I, I guess I'm in the early adopters queue, right? But I'm not like the very very beginning person. So I never could have possibly anticipated. I never had the foresight that like this was coming. You know what I mean? And it, it cost me in many, many ways. Um, but fortunately enough, I was early enough. I think we all are hopefully yeah. to, uh, to be along for the ride at present time. Yeah. You and me both. And so preparing for the interview, I, I was actually reading through several of your blog posts uh, from your site and we have very similar intro stories. Um, so I, I want to chat through some of that, but kind of the, the first question I always start with my guests on the show is kind of tell us your NFT story, kind of how you got in the mix and how you kind of got exposed and how it's carried you to here. Yeah, of course. Um, so I actually, unbeknownst to myself, uh, minted my first NFT in 2017. Um, I bought CryptoKitties uh, from Dapper Labs, of course, right? During the the bull run in 2017, I was kind of fresh out of college, had a little bit of disposable income. Um, and foolishly thought that, you know, like, you know, I'd come from the daily fantasy world and sports betting, right. It's all native to me. And I sort of foolishly thought that, oh, well, I can make money doing, you know, crypto kitties too. Right. Um, did not make money doing crypto kitties, but that's kind of where I started. And then of course, set myself up with a MetaMask, all those things in 2017 and then forgot about it. And in the back half of 2020, at this point, I uh, saw a, uh, a blog post from Fred Wilson, notable uh, venture capitalist um, at AVC and uh, about MBA Top Shot and Dapper Labs, you know, and I recognized the name Dapper Labs and I just kind of read and hopped on the site and bought a few packs and was like, okay, this is, this is kind of interesting. I wasn't even really thinking about it as a, a money-making thing. Um, and then of course, two and a half weeks later, three weeks later, um, the infamous Jonathan Bales article, right? Which exposed so many people and um, helped me develop a little bit more conviction that was like, okay, maybe I should look at this a little bit deeper. And yeah, from there, I just went on a, a, a tear of stalking Twitter feeds, you know, stalking. I was, I have not told Jonathan this, but um, I think I wrote about it. One of the things I was doing in the early days, and part of my life motto is kind of like tail smart people, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so one of the things I was doing in the early days is like, I would stalk Jonathan or Peter's Twitter follows and see, okay, who are they following in the NFT world? And this is so early, right? And this is, it seems ridiculous to say, but January is like, I feel ancient. Um, nevertheless, I, I would stalk them. And that's how I, like, I found Avastars, right? In January. And I found, you know, a couple other things, a couple other projects um, that maybe I would not have stumbled into that. So that's really where I started. And then from those Twitter follows, got me to discords and other discords and other projects. And just here I am, you know? a uh, hundred rabbit holes later. Man, that is some next level stalking. I, I have to- I, I'm not proud of it. You on that. Um, and, and hey, you, you front ran that Bales post. I mean, anyone who front ran that post in NBA Top Shot certainly had to have made a little bit of return in, in those early days. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was, I've been you know super fortunate in so many different ways over the course of the last year. Um, I, I made like a tweet a long time ago, but like, it seems incredibly ridiculous that uh, NFTs, like pictures on the internet, could have changed so many people's lives. Uh, but fortunate to fall into that bucket for sure. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I totally agree with you there. Um, I'm in from a Top Shot perspective, slightly different camp. I'm the one who read Bales's post the day it came out. Didn't get it. I had mm -hmm. a, a good buddy, Dirty Rush on Twitter, Andy, saying, "Hey, man, you should do this." I waited four to six weeks, but <laughs> four days before the peak and then everything drops. Um, but similarly, it kind of got me into the, the broader world of NFTs. So as I was reading through some of your posts last night, you mentioned, I don't know if these are some of your first art block sale or purchases, but a ringers and a Nimbus, maybe the ringers uh, could be a sore spot. <laughs> but was that some of your earliest like open yeah. when you got back into it? Actually, yeah. So uh, it, this all stems from um, that 
you know, maybe uh, awkward, weird stalking that I did. Um, and so I, I found from Bales and, and Peter, I found a, a couple different people to follow. And from there, I found Snowfro, right? Eric uh, Artbock's founder, creator, OG punk holder. Um, and uh, at that point in time, I still, and I still to this day, you know, wrestle with the conviction on generative art and, and art blocks, but that's mm-hmm. kind of moot for this conversation. Um, just stumbled into it and uh, I saw some tweets, believe it or not, in that blog post, there's a tweet from Beanie that kind of highlighted Dmitry Cherniak and like how he was a super notable artist. And so I think, you know, basically I started to put together a thesis of like, hey, notable artist, um, project that like is coming from a notable platform, right? Because I knew of Snowfro. Um, I was like, this seems like a bet I could make, right? Um, and I'm kind of doing this in conjunction alongside Top Shot and all that other stuff. So yeah, these were in large part my first purchases. Um, at that point in time, did not have a ton of liquidity and I sunk a lot of it, I think half an ETH into a ringer in January. Uh, I don't want to look, to be quite honest, <laughs> at the date. Um, and yeah, I, I, uh, I sold it a week later for one and a half ETH. So one ETH profit, which to me at the time was, uh, and still to so many people, um, is it just an unbelievable amount of money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I was so, I remember like waking up in the middle of the night to get the open your item sold email, right? I think my first one, you're right. Like the first sale I made on open Um, and I remember being ecstatic. And then, you know, some time goes by and then you realize that, oh, I am DC investor bought it from me. And then you learn a little oh, wow. bit more about him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you're like, oh man, I might've made some mistakes here. And then you go, you know, you go down the road and of course, uh, foolish, foolish, very, very foolish, but it was a, it was a necessary jumping off point for me in terms of liquidity. Um, yeah. Artbox, uh, I had a ringer. I bought a Nimbud on secondary, um, sold that as well. I minted a few things after uh, Cyber Cities, I think it's called. I minted, um, I might have minted one or two other early art blocks. Dude, I remember looking at squiggles. And I might be misremembering the price a little bit, but I feel like they were in like the 0.25 range, right? Oh, yeah. Like I, rem- I remember oh, wow. looking at them and I just like didn't get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, there's so many of these, they look exactly the same. Why would I want this? I was totally unable to put together the the conviction or the thesis of like, the provenance uh, of like, this is the first art box project, right? I was able to do that with punks, believe it or not. So I'm not sure why I couldn't use like a transitive property to throw that to art box, but I, yeah, I, I didn't for some reason. Your story is so interesting to me because we were absolutely doing very similar things at the very same time. So my intro to OpenSea NFTs really was, was through Oiler Beats. Uh, yeah, and a few buddies. <laughs> Uh, I actually checked in that CSU and Bales, I, I think, had also made some purchases. Cuban was touting it, had mm-hmm. instant conviction. Long story short, lost 75% on that trade. Um, but it got me to follow IMDC investor, Beanie Maxi. Actually, following them got me into my first Artbox purchase, was, which was Nimbuds. Yes. I bought temporary top. I paid 2.5 ETH at the time. They, they went to 0.5 and sat there for so long before the August mania hit. And then mm-hmm. eventually um, move that profitably. Our blocks is an interesting one. And we could spend the whole conversation on that. Uh, the, the, the algorithms and the, the math meets art piece really uh, resonated with me. I then started, I bought some squiggles, bought a few other things and have since been pretty plugged in on it, but mm-hmm. we'll save that for maybe later in the conversation. I want to hear now a little bit more from your early days NFTs to getting into Lucky Trader. So I guess how how did you get connected with either CSU or Bales, or what was your intro point? Yeah, um, so I like I mentioned, I, I come from like the daily fantasy world as well, right? Um, that's kind of what I was envisioning myself doing. You know, what I mean, as a, a college student uh, writing for uh, Daily Roto, um, Drew Dinkmeyer and Mike Leone. And uh, yeah, if you come from those streets, you know, of course, Bales, Peter are gods, you know, in, in that, uh, in that world. And, and they very much so were the, the same to me for such a long time. I was fortunate enough, though, as a result of being connected to some other notable industry participants like Drew and Mike, um, you know, I was just fortunate to know some, know some people that um, allowed me to 
develop a, a solid reputation alongside other solid reputation people. Um, and I think, you know, more or less Bales sent that tweet in like June or something about looking for some, someone to do editor in chief content at uh, lucky trader. And I kind of just threw my hat in the ring and got lucky. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how else to, to really phrase it, you know, a confluence of things, right? Like it had some people that could vouch for me. Um, that are high reputation individuals. I had work that I had written, right? Like I'd put myself out there. Um, so a, a little bit of it was uh, was certainly my own work, but very much so just being in the right spot at the right time. Yeah, I was gonna ask if there was anything you would point to, was it your body of written work? Was it your reputation that, you, that you'd built up? Or do you think it's just a kind of a combination? Of well, those hope, hopefully a combination of the two. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, cause I'm not... Um, there could have been plenty of other hires that would have brought more of an audience. You know, like I'm not a, I have like 1700 Twitter followers yeah. or something, right. You know, something like that. So um, hopefully it's a combination of the the valuable work and the reputation, right. Cause those things are, are not necessarily super easy to come by um, in joint. Um, so hopefully you'd have to ask those guys though, for sure. Well, I want to hear now, you know, kind of your side of getting the site, stood up so we'll go ahead and just pull up the homepage, luckytrader.com um i will just say you know certainly personally i've been very impressed with how much you have all put out um you know of course starting with the, the initial product with the rarity rankings and whatnot but i think the piece that's resonated me, with me the most is some of the educational content that you all have been actively striving to put out to help onboard folks. I think a lot of people in the NFT Twitter space will, will give lip service to that, but I haven't seen a whole lot of action to it. Uh, and that's certainly something I've seen from your site. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about the evolution uh, and kind of what went into getting this stood up. Yeah. So I joined in August, uh, mid-August. So it's only been about three months, believe it or not, since I uh, have started here at Lucky Trader. Of course, the developers and um, product builders started long before that. And of course that manifests itself in the tools and resources that you're using on the site, which you guys shared in the beginning of the show. Um, so kudos to them for working on it for a very long time and producing a really, really solid, hopefully, I know of course I'm biased, but a, a very, very solid product and aesthetically pleasing product as well. Um, as for the, you know, the education and, and kind of onboarding and starting this whole journey and how to get it stand up, stood up. So a lot of work. And I, I think realistically, it's, it, uh, you know, it has been as a result of kind of shifting our lens to create a paradigm and a, and a, a place for folks that is solely focused, or maybe not solely focused, for, but at least heavily focused on education and on onboarding, right? That was a, a key theme for us. And so as you mentioned, it is a, a place in an industry where when people are seeking out content, they're seeking out point me to what to buy, right? They're seeking out point me to where I need to be, you know, looking or, or whatever. They basically want you to make it as easy as possible to purchase something. And, and we're taking sort of a longer term approach here, which is let's provide the tools and resources for folks to make good investment decisions, to participate in good projects, you know, to practice security uh, and all those things. But we're not going to point you to each project. You know, we're not going to point you to, uh, I'm not going to pump and dump stuff on you. And so it's a, it's a core focus for us. Uh, as you mentioned on the site right now, you know, there's plenty of education for folks that if you've, if you've never even, you know, never even held uh, a ETH or a MetaMask or anything like that, um, those resources are available for you on the site, you know, in the articles and the tutorial section um, for you to get access to. It's, it's a key theme. Of course, we're just, we're brand new as well. Right. So there is so much work to do. Um, a lot of, a lot of things that we definitely want to be able to provide for folks. The other thing I would mention is, um, you know, you guys are, are in the, in the streets or whatever you want to call that. Right. So if there are things that you want and need that you feel are gaps, like I think uh, we're hopefully very receptive to the feedback and want to build this in a way that is, um, you know, right there with the web three, um, you know, theme, which is we want to align incentives of our users alongside us as well, right? If we're making it beneficial for you, if you're improving your experience in Web3 and your bags, whatever, um, hopefully it's beneficial for us as well. So would love to hear uh, that feedback and, and happy to help try to shape the content um, on site to fit those needs. 
But realistically, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a, a core focus and a lens in which we're viewing what we're providing. Like we want to provide objective analysis, objective feedback, timely news and analysis for folks so that they can understand and cut through the noise because there's a lot of noise out there. I love it. Love to hear it. <clears throat> love to see that you're receptive to feedback. Just one off the top of my head. And I, I've been screaming this from the rooftops uh, I was, uh, on phone calls with the IC tools folks several times on our, on our show. Marketplace aggregators, I think are going to become increasingly important, right? Especially as we see more and more of these start to spin up with sushi and, and show you. Um, I've yet to see, you know, super rare foundation information tied into these sites. Mm -hmm. uh, other blockchains like Solana and others. So I think that is going to be increasingly important as we get deeper and into a more mature market uh, yep. in the future. Yeah. So um, as far as I can comment there, those things are obviously all at the top of our mind as well. Um, right. So for example, you mentioned Solana. Um, we are you know, actively working on like uh, an intro piece for folks that don't even know what Solana is, right? Um, alternative uh, layer one blockchain for use and actually a, a really good one for folks that maybe don't have a big bank role to start collecting um, despite the NFT collections there maybe being, eh, you know, not maybe your best place uh, to really put your cash. But anyway, that's an aside, not financial advice, right? Yeah, um, yeah I, I think we definitely want to provide for all of those things. And, and over time, you know, hopefully Lucky Trader is a home for each and every piece, you know, so that being the art on Foundation Super Rare and beyond, that being Solana, that being Tezos and Flow, right? All of those things. Um, it's a matter of realistically uh, prioritizing appropriately and then also to, you know, protecting consumers in a way that we are focusing on providing legitimate, you know, legitimate projects and legitimate um, blockchains and, and areas where those new people who we definitely want to be able to provide for right? Um, those new people are put in a position to succeed. Um, and, and so right now, um, where the bulk of activity is happening is, of course, on Ethereum, and that's where, you know, our support lies. Uh, but we are actively thinking about and hopefully very soon supporting other things uh, as well. That's awesome to hear. I, I was going to ask is, if there's anything else you can share from a roadmap perspective, or kind of where do you see the site going? Or is that still a little hush-hush? Yeah, so I'll I'll share as best I can, and somebody can yell at me later if I if I wasn't supposed to, of course, share it. Um, but anyway, like some of the the key things that you've shown now here uh, on the on the page are like the prerequisites, in my opinion, right? So like market data, market information, rarity stuff. People definitely want those things, and it's really really important. But what we've tried to do is think about is think about the, the the process of buying an NFT or selling an NFT or bidding on an NFT, right? And find ways to Im improve that experience for folks, right? Where other sites can't. And so that's where you've seen like bid mode on the site, right? And that's where you've mm -hmm. seen the OpenSea extension, which allows you to see rarities right on the page or mass list or mass bid on NFTs. And so, you know, not to give too much away, but I think that theme, right, of making it easier, for folks is definitely something key to what we're thinking about uh, long-term. And there are a whole host of those other things that maybe you're thinking about as prerequisites, right? Like alerting when um, a floor price hits a certain thing, right? Like, I, I don't know how common that is now. I'm sure some tools have it, some don't, but we want to be able to provide all of it um, in some way or another. And that's a super ambitious thing to do, but I am uh, wholly confident in the team here and the, the dev resources that we have to build something super, super um, valuable for each and every potential participant, whether you be new and or a very, very experienced, active uh, trader and investor. So things like alerts, Things like uh, continued building of building out of the my wallet, right? So you can, you can now connect your wallet on site. Um, as of right now, it's kind of like we're setting the foundation to build on top of that. So you can filter through and see what's in your wallet when you're on a particular collection. You can see what's in other people's wallets, you know, pretty easily on the site as well. Um, but you know, everybody wants the my portfolio estimation or my portfolio view and things like that. Um, and, and all I can say there is I think in some way, those things will all be enabled, right? For folks as for how it necessarily manifests itself. I think that's still maybe details I couldn't share and, or we're still thinking about, um, but more or less, if it's a part of your flow, if it's a part of your experience in buying or thinking about buying 
uh, or preparing to buy or sell an NFT, I think we want to have a resource, whether that be through an actual tool or through content to help you do so available at Lucky Trader. It's important. And I think one piece that I'm going to touch on from what you said is just trying to make the process easier. <clears throat> from my perspective, I think part of the reason why NFTs haven't blown up more is the barrier to entry, right? There are a lot of things to do, uh, a lot of steps to complete to even be able to purchase an NFT right now. And it's overwhelming and it's scary, right? Especially for folks who aren't super crypto native. Yep. Um, and, you know, a lot of influencers out there, you know, may, may just be hyping projects or, or tokens or whatnot, but it's, it's definitely refreshing to, to see a site and a brand, you know, focused on educational content and tools to, to try to enhance that experience. Yeah. And uh, like I said, if, if, you, if you, see, you see gaps there, sorry, I'm stumbling over words. Um, not enough espressos this morning yet, <laughs> only through two. Uh, but if you, if you see gaps in terms of content, you know, yourselves or, or viewers, right, that uh, you're looking for clear answers to let us know. Um, because yeah, ultimately, we want to be able to make it easier for folks. Um, and it is intimidating. And that's why people don't even try, right? And if it's difficult for them to find the resources to make it easier, then they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna try. So that's what we want to do. We want to make it super easy, not only to do the things, but also to find the resources to do the things. A lot of to do's there. Well, I love it. And first, no apologies necessary. I realized you, you did a live show last night. You did a show right before this one. So, you know, we're, we're just happy to have you. With, uh, you know, seven, 10 minutes left in our conversation, maybe we shift gears from Lucky Trader, maybe take a step back. And I'd love just to, to hear your thoughts on the overall market. Um, I know, you know, we started the show here today with talking about, you know, bull market, question mark. What's, what's your take on the kind of the current state of affairs? Yeah, this, that's a great question. We've been actively talking about it a little bit as well. Um, I think uh, cyclically, just how quickly things move, um, it's very difficult to probably label any you know, market as bull or bear um, because I don't know the timeframes that we should be assessing to these particular things, right? I would say, though, if, if we uh, were to characterize um, just at a weekly level, then yeah, I, I think we've regained mini bull market, right? Um, I'm, uh, you guys are talking about Constitution Dow. Uh, I'm, I'm like really thinking and hoping that something like this is super interesting to folks um, that may have never, like I've, I've had some friends in the last few days that like don't own NFTs, right? Like text me about Constitution Dow and they're like, what the hell is this thing, right? Um, and start to like, show them web three, right. And sort of some of the weird things that are happening, weird, but fun things that are happening. Um, and I could see this definitely being a catalyst for more people entering Coinbase NFT. You talk about friction removing, right. Um, so I definitely do think we're in sort of a little bit of a mini bowl. Uh, I think there are some things that could be catalysts to continuance of that mini bowl, like the constitution Dow thing, um, like Coinbase NFT. I am personally a little concerned about end of year stuff as we approach. And I, I don't like to say the T word, but like, as we approach people needing to potentially think about taxes. Um, and so I do think mini bull, I am a little worried about what happens as we approach end of December. Yeah. I think our views align. I had the, the same concerns I think, of course, the Ethereum price is a component of all this. You know, if we see some big surges, that's going to have some impacts here. But, you know, what, what's the world of NFTs, we're always just like one or two big trigger events away, right, mm -hmm. from massive surges. We saw what happened just with a few news articles and a few trigger events with BAYC last weekend. I actually hadn't fully processed Constitution Dow becoming a trigger point, but I think you, it's a really interesting idea. And I, I forget the metric, but something like what, 20% of Constitution Dow, it was their first crypto buy or something along those lines. It was, it was oh, a, really financially greater than zero. I was, I was very surprised. I had not seen that. I saw the, I saw the average, the median um, donation was $206, uh, which is, like that's a super cool positive thing. You see that with like uh, political things, right? Where it's like yeah. we raised everybody was at five dollars, which is like a uh, a sense of like 
how many people, right? As if you can raise a ton of money, but the average or the median is very, very small, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, I'm excited about it. I think it's cool. I think it's a really cool storyline. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that it gets people intrigued more than anything. That's what we need. We need more. We don't need more people to stalk weird Twitter follows like I did. You know what I mean? But we need more people to come in and like take a look at it. And uh, it's good for everyone, right? Yeah, I think it, it really plays well kind of across the bell curve, right? Like the 60 IQ side, right? It was, it was <laughs> super fun. It was electric, right? Constitution Dow everywhere. Always sunny in Philadelphia ties on their Twitter page. And then on the 160, it's, wow, in three days, random people on the internet came together and raised $40 million for a fund. What are the other use cases for this? I'm excited about some of like the the positive society impacts beyond just buying artifacts and NFTs. Like what if we identify a group of researchers who have an idea for how to cure the next wave of cancer and just need funding? right? Ability to, to crowdsource and fund those via a DAO is super exciting. And I think, <clears throat> definitely agree with your point that it caught a lot of folks' attention here. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see where, where DAOs come next. I think it's going to be one of the biggest storylines. Yeah. Year, I, I heard you mention year of the DAO 2022. Um, if, I, if I can spin the wheels on you as host here, are you actively participating in any DAOs? Great question. If you can answer. Um, no, the, answer, the, the simple answer is no. Um, I've thought quite a bit about you know, forming DAOs, you know, potentially trying to do a, a, my own one through our Discord group. It hasn't really gotten off the ground yet. Um, but I will say Constitution DAO got me super hyped last night. Yeah. I, I didn't participate and I had so much FOMO during the auction. <laughs> so the next... The next uh, idea or pursuit for Constitution DAO, I'll be looking at hard. You know, I've, I've been close several times. Like Grailer's DAO is one that came out uh, yeah. just this past week to buy Incomplete Control and a few others. Thought about participating. I think part of my personal view from an investing standpoint was I'd rather just own my own, you know, NFTs and investments yep. versus trying to own a, a small percent of a larger portion. But when we get into more of the, you know, really making an impact, making a splash, trying to spread Web3 to broader parts of the, the world. That has definitely caught my attention and, and is a driver that I think I can certainly get behind. So. Yeah, I'd like to pick up on something there if I could, because this is yeah. something that's really, really exciting to me is that you mentioned the, the kind of the psychological thing probably about owning your own, right? And not necessarily owning a percentage. This is a super interesting just like topic to me overall. And of course, um, we're big fans of fractional.art at Lucky Trader, right? At a place to democratize, right? Like Rally Road, think of, you know, alternative assets and all the other, at least in recent years, traditional investment vehicles that now allow you to fractionalize shares, right? So I think democratizing access to investment vehicles or to assets is like a core theme of Web3. But you're exactly right. There is still that psychological barrier. Like there's that meme about uh, owning one Bitcoin, right? You can, own, you can own a fraction of a Bitcoin type thing, right? So I, that's like something I would like to help my normie friends, right? Get over is like, you could potentially still participate. You can't buy a punk maybe. They're actually working on a piece that's called, yeah, you can buy a punk, right? <laughs> like you, you can buy portions of a punk and trying to get people to think about it through the lens of percentage gain, Right. And not, you know, and not, it's not about making $100,000. It's about making 10% or 20%. Right. And that's just like a psychology thing that I think is, uh, is really, really interesting. I'm sorry to hop in on that, but something I'm actively thinking about and like, how, how do I get this through to potential people that are coming into NFTs who may be discouraged because the price is out of reach for them? How do I make sure that they know they can still participate, even if they don't own this, the whole thing? Yeah, I love it. I'm a big fan of Fractional. We've highlighted them on, on this show several times. And it, it is a bit of a, a mindset. Um, I mean, I, I equate it to, you know, buying equities, buying stocks in a company, right? It's it's buying shares and then looking at your percentage growth. It's, a, it's an apt analogy. And <clears throat> I think there's just a lot of use cases. There's a lot of outlets for these that we just 
aren't even on our radar yet. Yep. Um, That's exciting. It is exciting. Um, <clears throat> I'm super excited about it. I, I think this was a great kind of last topic for our interview today. Um, before we cut it off, Logan, anything, any last thoughts, anything you want to leave our listeners with? No, I really appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun. I love talking about it. Obviously, if you can't tell, um, hopefully, despite the lack of sleep, the espressos have brought through the energy to the, the folks in the audience as well. So I appreciate you bringing us on. Um, feel free to check out luckytrader.com. You can find me, you know, uh, uh, around um, LH09 on Twitter, and I'm happy to engage and talk about it. I uh, look forward to getting your feedback and, and hopefully implementing it on site and making it a useful spot for everyone. Awesome. Well, we, we certainly, we felt your energy. Uh, we're big fans of com. Um, so we'll continue to, to show your content actively in our show and via our Twitter. Uh, and hopefully we can you know, continue our conversation on DAOs and on the market and other topics in the future. So yeah. certainly thanks, uh, thanks to having you on here. All right, to our viewers, listeners, that's our show for today. We will be back on Monday to recap the weekend, back in our normal time slot, 11 a.m. Central. As always, till then, stay safe in those NFT streets. Goodbye.